It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. How are you, Torin? I'm actually at a thousand percent feel extremely good pushing through the month of August. As they say, summer is almost coming to an end. But Julie, I got to tell you, it has been a rewarding 2019 for real. Last week was tough. You know, I wasn't feeling well. And the subject matter for you and I, the exchange was organic. It was very real, but it was tough. This week, a better note, a more upbeat. And I want to say thanks to Chad and Cheese from the Chad and Cheese podcast, who not just for referring their listeners over to listen to our commentary on tropes of rape, racism, and ableism on our last podcast around mass shootings, but also for recognizing that sometimes they need to sit back and listen and that they need to hear the voice of, of others who are impacted in very different ways than they are. So huge name drop to them for this week for really growing and listening and, and being awesome allies whenever they can. I believe uh, the website for them is chadcheese.com. Is that correct, Julie? Yep, that's right. But I want to just kind of amplify, you know, what Julie said. We really do appreciate Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman for giving up their platform. They have a long running podcast. Uh, the moniker is HR's most dangerous podcast. And it wasn't, you know, an easy, I'm sorry, actually, it was an easy decision for them to decide that they wanted to kind of sit back and allow Julie and I to have an organic conversation around some of the events of uh, the last couple of weeks. So I personally just want to say a tremendous and real sincere thank you to both of those kings. Absolutely. So on this week, we have a much lighter note. We have a special guest, and I think, Torn, you get to do the honors. Honors they are. So intermittent insulation, you know, we are continuing, Julie and I are continuing our pursuit of adding well-accomplished voices to our library. And really, for all of you, when you go to, you know, po- uh, Podbean or any place else where you can get the uh, podcast, you can find us at crazyintheking.com. But we decided a couple of months ago that every other week we would add an accomplished voice. Uh, And today's guest really has a quote that she pulls from. And that quote is, it's better to be specific and wrong than broad and right. And so who we'll talk to, we'll talk to Elena Valentine, co-founder of Skill Scout based in the Chicago land area. I think they started the organization back in 2014. You can find them online at skillscout.com. Before we get off, I'll make sure that Elena shares her Twitter handle. And I want to ask Elena about um, women of craft. So with that, welcome to the show, Elena. How are you? I am doing fabulous. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So let's do this thing with the women of craft, because I know we're going to talk heavily about Skill Scout. So, you know, is is women of craft? Is that a real deal? Is that still live? Talk about that a little bit. It is. I mean, so there's really kind of 
two pursuits. Uh, certainly one is Women of Craft. Um, it is an intersectional feminist brand that a friend of mine and I started really around thinking about how might we design t-shirts that put women of color first, that make powerful statements because we believe fashion is our armor. So what are we doing to wear statements that make us confident, that make us proud uh, while still promoting community? So we started about last year and, you know, continue to put out limited run designs of different t-shirts. The kind of upcoming kind of next stage for this is that we will be collaborating with other designers, other women of color designers on these future t-shirts. Awesome. Well, we brought you to the show because you and Abby Cheeseman do an incredible job uh, of providing uh, a resource in the entire HR tech space around video and video capture. And, you know, my understanding is that there was an injustice and that injustice that you and Abby recognized or either experienced, overheard. So, Please put some context around it. But there was an injustice that was the idea for Skill Scout. Talk about that. Yeah, very much so. So, you know, before Skill Scout, Abby and I were working at a previous employer and we're tasked on working with a project uh, on a project aimed to connect young people to more meaningful pathways to employment. And so the, the big challenge was thinking about how do we connect over six million young people not in school or in the workforce and to kind of provide better pathways and so that was kind of a journey that really started all of this. In fact, Torin, it's kind of right in your hometown now in Baltimore, where we were inspired by the youth of the Living Classrooms Fresh Start program. And these were young men who were super talented and very motivated, but because they didn't look good on resumes, because they had records, they were being shut out from the hiring process. And so job descriptions don't show what a job is like. Resumes don't depict a candidate's skills. And so we saw very quickly that the existing hiring processes that we had were shutting not just these young people out, they were shutting the majority out. So if we're talking about the disability community, et cetera, you know, our hiring process is only for you know, a select population. And so when we took a step back, um, you know, we saw this and in part, what we saw was happening was that at least for these young people, they just lacked access and exposure to jobs and you cannot be what you cannot see. And so we saw that there was a power in video. We saw that there was a power in storytelling in really being able to bring jobs to life in a way that just got young people excited about the world of work. For the first time, they could see it. They could ask questions. They were engaged. And it was giving them this opportunity to self-screen in or self-screen out. And so for us, that was really when we put the stake in the ground, even for the precursor of Skill Scout, that what we wanted to do was to make hiring more human and in particular, to use video and storytelling to give candidates uh, that ability to expose themselves and get excited about the world of work because we know that the workplace can be super exciting, but our hiring process are not. And that's really initially what we were trying to tackle. So let me ask you, how does that fit into the employer where you were? Did you take the concept of video and giving young people a different way of presenting themselves? Did you take that to the then employer and were turned down? Uh, did you all start this as a side hustle, side project? Elaborate a bit on that. And it's really interesting that you did come to Harbor East and you're in my backyard looking at living classrooms because I'm very fond of what James Piper Bond has built 
Yes. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's just added so much in terms of trying to provide uh, young people here in Baltimore with exposure and experiences that are far different than a traditional class day. So it's, I, I didn't know that about Skill Scout. It makes me smile. But but how did that introduction to, you know, to that injustice manifest even more? Were you shunned at the then employer or what? No. So what this initially was, was, you know, Abby and I were former design researchers um, in an innovation design firm that were kind of helping to support what this new solution could be. And the goal at the time was to always think about how might this project actually turn into something that could be sustainable, that could go outside of this project to really make a lot of impact. So the plan was always to think about how might this turn into a business but certainly the business that it is now versus what we set out to do was certainly very different, you know. So Skill Scout initially was very much focused on youth, focused on workforce development, focused on a very specific set of youth uh, with barriers. And so there was a lot of learnings that we kind of had throughout all of this. You know, we had a platform that, you know, in the same way that we were helping companies showcase jobs, we were also leveraging hands-on applications and assessments so that you know, these candidates could showcase their skills outside of just a resume. So, you know, Skill Scout over the years, you know, we've definitely, you know, pivoted, we have failed forward. And it wasn't until about probably three years ago that what we really started to see was that, you know, we're a team of passionate storytellers, of filmmakers, and that there really is a, a need um, to be able to create and, and work with the world of HR to tell more authentic human stories of the workplace. And given where we had come from, given the fact that we had worked with the populations that we had worked with, we knew that the way that we had to treat video, the way that we had to set up our interviews had to be very different. So there's a reason why even now at Skill Scout, um, we have a pretty specific process. And some of that process means that we don't do scripts. You know, we are here to empower our interview participants as being experts of their experience. We're not here to fish for any particular answers. And so much of that has to come from the fact that when we first started, we were, you know, filming youth, um, in companies where they didn't feel empowered and we needed to make them feel celebrated. And so we take so much of what we had learned then to how we approach the process now. And certainly when I think about our impact and why we do this work, um, I realized that the biggest impact that I can make as a leader is not on what Skill Scout could do for other companies. It's what Skill Scout could do for our own workforce. And so for myself, given where we've come from, you know, I've unapologetically raised my hand to say that I, I manifest to become an employer of choice for women, um, women of color and non-binary uh, creatives of color. And so, you know, we've also really thought hard about our own processes, about our own hiring, how we're sharing our jobs, how we're doing our business um, so that we could be the kind of business that we always wanted to be and certainly be a model, I think, for other companies. I think certainly when we do this work and, and I'll end there, but it's super passionate for me is, you know, if we are here to help other companies attract and retain diverse talent, then we needed to have figured that ourselves. Julie, you know, she said something, actually, Elena said several somethings and one of them that stood out for me it's all good. You know, one of them that stood out, Julie, is how they originally started with the focus on young people. And for those of the uh, listeners out there who don't know my history, if you were to Google method 1518, you'd see 
um, just an incessant amount of attention that I gave to young people back in the um, early 2000s and some of the ambitious ideas and goals that I had for them, particularly those that were under-resourced and underserviced. And so, Julie, you know, I think it's interesting that Elena and Abby are working uh, with Skill Scout that they have pivoted from focusing on that population to being an employer of choice for women of color, for telling stories. And uh, the piece that really, really jumped out for me is as I thought about young people trying to stand in front of a camera, mm. we're talking young people that have been told that they were worth nothing. You know, young people that are often told that they are going to be thugs or that are shuffled into positions that are mediocre or uninspiring. They are supported by uh, folks in their community, perhaps even their school, maybe even worse, their family that are not undergirding them with that positive reinforcement. I think about young people like that standing in front of a camera vying for an opportunity and what that video meant or or how that video was received, Julie. So anyway, I want to bring you into the conversation because certainly I don't want to monopulate it, but Elena is like all in my sandbox <laughs> and it's an area that is really, really, really like I'm really, really passionate about making sure that we raise kings and queens. And I'm curious too, Elena, how your story is similar in ways to, to my story as I started working on a federal grant that helped to focus on overcoming barriers to employment with for people with disabilities. And I really became a part of sort of the, the thought leader piece there. And then I really recognize in the work that I do now, how being a person with a disability has shaped the work that I do every day. And it's shaped the way that I talk about the story that we build at Disability Solutions. And so I don't know if, if you mind, how has being a woman of color shaped the journey that Skill Scout has taken to becoming the organization, not that you just want to model, but how your products have evolved, how your services have evolved, and how you go about engaging with clients to help grow your brand and your story. Yeah. So first I want to own, yes, I identify as a woman of color. I'm also a woman of color of privilege. And so I say that- um, What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that- You know, what, what that means is that, look, you know, I come from two very educated parents, where there were opportunities that I had. And so I know, you know, when I come into spaces that there are sometimes spaces where I can contribute and sometimes spaces where I need to sit back and foster space. And so coming from, again, where we've come from in, in the business that we wanted to create, yes, it's always been very apparent for us that, and this is kind of another quote that I will always live by, um, from a woman here named Catherine Darnstadt, if you want to change the story, you have to change the storyteller. And so when I think about things like, I don't just think about who's in front of the camera, right? Who are the people that we might be interviewing at these companies? It's also thinking about who's behind the camera as well and who's helping to tell those stories. And as a result of that, that's when it became very clear that we also needed to think hard and invest our own time in how we were going to build a team that could model what diversity and inclusion looks like, not just for the world of HR, but as a production company um, and as a small business. I vehemently believe that small businesses can really move the needle when it comes to DNI, certainly because we're more malleable to be able to do so. And so we really took up that flag 
uh, to do it. And there's, you know, I could certainly go into detail here or future of, of how we've done that. Cause, um, there's a whole other ways to, you know, we show our jobs on video. We have people do work samples. We don't look at resumes, right? So, you know, we had an intern, you know, this summer, uh, just, you know, just finished sophomore year, you know, probably didn't have a lot, but we were giving him opportunity to show what he could actually do. And that's something that we really not just preach, but we practice. We all appreciated that practice. Julie, you know who that is, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inside joke for all of you out there listening. That's just between the three of us. And if you don't know why we are smiling, then that means you need to go back and listen to one of the previous episodes. Maybe several of them. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and so I think, again, to, you know, the point that I was telling earlier, I feel that as an HR focused company, it is my responsibility, it is our responsibility to push innovative workforce practices in our own companies. Absolutely. Yep. And so I feel it is my responsibility that if I am working in the world of HR, if I am here to support other companies, then we are we are the ones that need to experiment. We are the ones that need to prototype and be the models for what this could look like. Well, then I'm curious, you know, with that fervent and that vehement posture that you have, have you and Abby attempted to instill that, introduce that to some, many, all of the clients that you are supporting? And if you have, what's been the, the reception to that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's different when it comes to building our own workforce versus, you know, what we can share with other companies. You know, certainly, you know, we have shared how we've built our own talent community. So there's a whole other nonprofit that we've helped to co-found called Mezgla Media Collective, which is basically a talent community of women of color and non-binary filmmaker filmmakers. And we kind of use that not only as part of our pipeline, but saw that there was a need for community. So certainly where and when we can, we have, you know, really shared what that's taken and, and shared our insights for that. So that's a huge way that we've done that. But certainly I think for the most part, when we're going into companies, because oftentimes these are really short spurts, it's just by modeling it. You know, when we started, we built this business on the shoulders of small manufacturers of the Midwest, many of them who are often, you know, not incredibly diverse, right? Majority men, uh, white men, older men. So certainly the double takes of, you know, several women coming in there to film them uh, was an interesting experience, but it was one that I took in and one that I both accepted and embraced that they should have a workforce that looks just like ours. And so that's the way that I would say for the most part, we really promote that. Share with the listeners, what is Skill Scout? How do you all show up in the marketplace? And then I'll let Julie jump in. Yes. So SkillScott, our main mission is to make workplace communications more human. And in particular, it's thinking about how might we leverage video and storytelling um, to help HR leaders tell their stories on video as a way to attract, engage, and hire talent. So you think everything from job description video to company culture, to training, to leadership highlights, employee highlights, it's helping them kind of tell these stories using video as a main medium. And there's certainly a couple of different ways that we have supported clients. So we're a full-scale media production company, but one that's really exciting and, and something that we've seen work, especially when it comes to DNI initiatives, is with kind of our DIY video offering, where it's you know empowering employees, empowering HR leaders to take this video storytelling into their own hands and using their smartphones to be able to tell these stories more often. And so we have a kind of a whole offering around that that just kind of allows them to, to tell the story in their own words with their own tools. So here's my big thing with DNI. I love what you do. I think what 
what we do is so aligned with with Skill Scout and telling the story is so critical in, in kind of growing a DNI culture and growing people who want to come and work at your organization and and to be a part of that. But right now, video is a really sexy thing in, in our world. It's really important and yeah. it's really taken off. How do you work with clients, or how do you say no potentially to organizations who are not aligned with who you are? and are really looking at how can I use this this video, not really to be part of a measurable DNI strategy, but to kind of get some some good PR out of it. And that's really my end goal. Yeah, no, that's a really great question. So one thing that the video planning process uncovers is what also just kind of sucks about the company, right? Um, We've actually had a couple of shoots that have canceled um, because the video planning process brought up some pretty like heavy morale issues. And the company had to stop and say, you know what, we need to postpone this so that we can do some heavy change management here. So we've actually seen that happen definitely more than twice, for sure. Um, We're going through this helps that. You know, video is not going to kind of change the organization. You have to be at a point in your company um, when it comes to video that you are proud to share that story. And sometimes that story can be sunshine and rainbows, but other times it can be about leaning into the suck. And in fact, James Ellis, who was on your previous podcast, talks about that, you know what, like not all of these cultures are for everybody. And sometimes it's just about leaning into what that culture is and who it's for and who it's not for that could you know, just kind of potentially be the path forward for some companies. And so we've seen that more and more of companies who I think are leaning into their challenges, who recognize that because candidates can smell a very fake, glossy video from a mile away. So that's one thing too, Julie, is that I think we have a a much savvier generation coming up who are going to look at these videos immediately and say, okay, that's cute and all, but what are they really not telling us? So in many ways, we're not the ones who necessarily have to stop the video as it is. If this is going to come off as inauthentic, candidates and employees are going to tell right away and it's just not going to be successful. Just thinking about that. And and thank you for that transparency, uh, because everything is not always glitter and gold. And so do you and the team ever capture those sour moments, those moments that suck and in some way use them in a polished you know, presentation, giving it back to leadership, giving it back to maybe the CHRO, uh, giving it to the sourcing and or the recruiting team. Do you all capture, cut it up, make it presentable and say, listen, you know, this was part, this in, in some ways is like an exit interview for that person who's leaving the organization. Here's some things that you all need to work on. I, I'm curious, have you all ever used it that way? We actually have. So we actually worked with a company who leveraged video for exit interviews and in particular to get really candid feedback from recently departed employees around why they left. And they used that video to share at an internal manager's meeting. Yeah. And it was tough. So what we're finding is, right, so there's there's kind of multiple paths that you can leverage video. The most 
traditional and popular path that we all know about is, okay, we want to share this with the public and it's going to look awesome. And this is about showing how amazing our company is. But actually what we find to be the most powerful is actually if you can bring that more to the beginning upstream around discovery, around research, around using that as a tool for being employees, et cetera, to kind of share their kind of most inner feelings. We have found that to be incredibly powerful. And so basically what happened is- But that speaks to the beginning. Yes, it absolutely speaks to the beginning. So- You know, you and Abby in the beginning. Yes. So it's it's a lot of, so what we call it now, it's, it's a lot about the story discovery. So for example, Torin, like in the work that you do when you're, you know, consulting with companies, um, you might work with us to kind of help capture little bits of, of video of, of people, you know, maybe sharing something that isn't necessarily so glamorous and leveraging that in a way uh, to be able to share in their own words what's actually happening versus Torin sharing, okay, so here's what the data looks like. And that takes a lot of trust. I would say many employees are very afraid to share um, their most honest truths in that way. But certainly if you can kind of create the environment where this is kind of in the spirit of research and in making our company better and, you know, leveraging someone like yourself, Torin, who's kind of fostering, you know, that kind of environment, it really does help to, I think, bring leadership around to say, this is not Torin just saying it or my, our manager saying it, like several of our employees across several departments, across several ranks are saying the same thing. And so that's how we've actually seen video being used very powerfully internally. Oh, Julie, she just hit like a beautiful, beautiful uh, suggestion. Like I'm really smiling because I could absolutely see that manifesting. Okay, so. I absolutely love that because some of the most powerful conversations that we've had and I've had with, with senior leaders are when I'm taking direct quotes from interviews for discovery that we've done when we're developing a disability and inclusion strategy. And we're having those conversations and it, it does one of two things, right? It either reinforces what leaders already know and need support and buy-in on to be able to push up that change needs to happen, or it just completely breaks that bubble that they've been in in their culture. And they get to see and acknowledge for the first time what is the actuality versus the kind of Kool-Aid that they sell themselves and their, their staffs every day. And so just to think about it on video, like the, it would just such a multiplier effect to see former employees or current employees talking about the things in the culture that have to change and, and are creating barriers, not just to employment for other people or to bring in the right talent, but to really barriers to employment or barriers to success in that company. And I think that's just so huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's really how Abby and I got started. I mean, so we're ethnographic researchers. So, so much of this was part of the story discovery piece. And that's how we were initially leveraging video. You know, none of this initially was ever about being public. Yeah. So, Elena, listen, before we uh, wrap up, I do have uh, two quick questions that I do want to ask. And one of them pertains to the disability aspect of the uh, inclusion spectrum. And so accessibility is absolutely important. And how are you, Abby, and the team over at Skill Scout making sure that companies are including people with disabilities or uh, that people with disabilities are 
uh, properly displayed, portrayed, if you will, can access the equipment. Talk to us a little bit about including that aspect of the DNI spectrum. And let me ask one question before that. Are companies asking you for that yet? Are they asking you for, from a DNI perspective, are they asking you to be inclusive of disability? And then all of the questions that Torn asked. Yes. So I would say we, you know, unfortunately, we haven't necessarily gotten asked frequently um, about disability unless it was for, you know, a very specific you know, disability-like initiative. Although I will give props actually to Deloitte. Deloitte does a really, really excellent job of this. And they uh, recently leveraged DIY video, kind of showcase several stories of their employees um, who are either caretakers or, or who are disabled themselves to kind of share their experience. So in terms of the in, in terms of the accessibility standpoint, is it uh, a different piece of software? Is it just being patient uh, as they learn to handle and or capture? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I guess there's a couple of different ways to look at this. So one is thinking about the, the myriad of stories that you can tell in the in the disability community. So the ones that most immediately come to mind that I see many companies really tackling is on mental health. And so there's, you know, many beautiful examples. Uh, one in particular, Barclays, I think has done an incredible job of leveraging video and storytelling to actually move the needle in their own organization of the number of employees who are acknowledging that they have mental health issues. So we've already seen that this is working for that. But the other example that I would have in particular, and I think I shared this with Julie, was my my eyes and ears literally were opened uh, a few months ago when I um, had a meeting with the National Industries for the Blind, who was saying, wow, like we could really use, you know, videos, etc. You know, and I'd never thought about that before. And then, you know, my friend Maurice hips me to uh, descriptive audio and how instead of just Captions, you know, there are descriptive audio tracks. You can go on Netflix and look this up, et cetera, where it's basically someone narrating what the action is on the video. And so as a result, Skill Scout now offers that. <laughs> so depending, of course, certainly on, you know, the population in the disability community, there are kind of a myriad of ways that you might have to think about that. But that's just one immediate example that comes to mind that's really changed us and how we think about video for the blindness community. Yeah, well, and I'm glad that you bring up mental illness. And uh, I'm really eager. I haven't seen this Barclays video. If it's public, I'm going to go hunt it down. Because what we see very often is a focus on generally kind of a singular disability. Uh, we're interested in autism. We're interested in neurodiversity. We're interested in supporting, you know, people with physical disabilities. And mental health is is the largest disability in our country, if not the world, with roughly 45 million adults having a, a mental health episode or chronic mental illness every year. And so to see companies focusing on mental health is really, in my brain, a game changer because there's so much fear and stigma associated to mental health still. And it's either uh, you're very scary and you might be violent or you're just kind of high strung and you need to kind of get over yourself. And so to see a major corporation taking seriously uh, the mental health of not only their existing workforce, but assumedly the workforce that's going to be coming in is is fairly significant. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super powerful and definitely in the show notes, I'll be sure to um, share some links so that listeners can, can see these examples as well. And we'll share them out on our, our Facebook page as well. Uh, a lot of times too, the things that you talk about, Elena, with phys- or with accessibility are so critically important, but so many of the barriers to employment are also related around culture and leadership and getting to the job, you know, not necessarily with the, the physical adaptability of a software or a computer. And when we're thinking about video, I think that's where it's really powerful when it's honest. And and what you've been talking about, what we've talked, Tracy, about is that it allows people with disabilities to see the true culture and to be able to better recognize in a way that you'll never be able to get from a job description or even interview prep or anything like that, what it's like to work there every single day. And I think that is really in my brain outside of the the accessibility, the real game changer when we're talking about videos for my population. Yeah. I mean, seeing is believing. And, you know, if we think about pending the population, you know, it's very tactile. It's very visual. Um, And so, you know, it's catering to different learners um, and in how we engage folks in in this case, be it the hiring process and, and in other parts of the workplace. So we started the show uh, with a quote, and it's one of uh, Elena's favorite quotes. It's from Ross Baird. Yes. The quote says, it's better to be specific and wrong than broad and right. Elena Valentine, we appreciate you for being on Crazy and the King. Let folks know where they can find you on Twitter and any other digital footprint. Drop that real quick. All right. Elena Valentine on LinkedIn um, or connect with me on Twitter um, at Elena underscore Valentine. Awesome. Julie, do you have any name drops? Um, Just one. So in two weeks, we will have a Lynn Bailey from Intel here talking to us about recruitment marketing and the wonderful infinity loop and how they're attracting talent with uh, real stories and real brand across the talent acquisition process. Yeah. So and for me, you can put the hashtag TSC19 on your calendar, uh, September 10th and 11th. I'm going to be in Boston dropping dinosaurs, lions and diversity. And uh, this particular talent success conference is being brought to you by Clear Company, I appreciate the work that they're doing over at Clear. And really for more than a decade, Clear Company has helped companies identify, hire, and retain thousands of A players from among the millions of applicants. And I'm going to make sure that the A players sitting in that room understand the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I'm going to do it without pause. I'm going to do it without apology. You can mark your calendars and follow us on Twitter on that day because it is going to be pure fire. Hashtag is TSC19. Julie? Yeah, and I'm home next week and then off to Sweden to hang out with the Tengai folks for a while and look forward to getting them on this fall um, to be interviewed. And if you don't know Tengai, it is the interviewing robot from Sweden. and It's pretty awesome. I think that's it. Then I'm going to be home for a hot minute. Cool. I close. (laughs) We close. Julie and I close reminding each of you to share the pod with your friend, Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell yet another friend. Reminder that you can find such at crazyintheking.com. We have a Facebook page. We individually handle our social media, but we are active. We engage and we are not shy. So if you come, we coming back. I'm just letting you know. Listen, make sure you catch me on Sirius XM channel 126 this Sunday. Another author, Minda Hartz, is dropping her book, The Memo. 
Minda Hartz is dropping her book, The Memo. Minda Hartz is dropping her book, The Memo. Julie and I are ghost. See ya. Thanks for listening to Crazy and the King. I'm Julie Sowash with my co-host, Torin Ellis. Follow us on social media, but you can also now find Crazy and the King on Facebook at our website, crazyandtheking.com, or follow our hashtag like you have been. This episode was produced by me, Julie Sowash. Our music is by the amazing DJ Cells straight out of Baltimore. And if you like our podcast, please rate it and share it with a friend. See ya. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.